drop what you're doing, Internet. Two bearded dudes are talking about movies. It's the Wild Brunch with Alex and Joe. What are you getting? What is I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get that Mikey Fitz, the eggs, um, yeah, bacon, yeah, and pancakes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm starving. Yeah, that actually does look pretty good. I haven't had brunch right. in like six months. So of course, me neither. Yeah. I also like in terms of, like so the list of movies. Yeah, I have seen so few in the theater. That's all right. It's uh, totally yeah. Um, and but most of them have come. Through iTunes at, mm. at our home, okay. Um, because I feel like there was this whole stretch where I just didn't get to the theater at all. Mm-hmm. But well, I think a lot came out. A lot actually came out. I, I feel like we've got uh, a, like this interlocking like ten rings of feedback, like this flow chart that's just a feedback loop of where it's like. We haven't we haven't done a podcast for a while for a variety of reasons we'll get into it in a minute, but part of it has been the scheduling of like getting for a, a podcast while. yeah getting a podcast done right after a movie comes out so uh, which which is so it's been tough to schedule that because we've been busy adults being busy adults with busy adult lives uh, but then also. It's like, oh, well, wait, if we're not putting a podcast on the books, I'm demotivated to run out and see this movie, 100%. so therefore. Yeah. So, and also, I guess since we're just diving right into it, I mean, a big part, we have not done an episode since Infinity War. True. Uh, our crossover, uh, Extravaganza. Which also was like, I sort mean, of a grand undertaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It worked out really well. But I would also like to say that hey, it's not, thanks, um, we may be, we may be uh, long, long-standing amateurs at this, but it's not like the effort of that put us into, you know, Odin sleep for six months or something. Uh, no. Not uh, you, maybe. Yeah, well, um, although we do this, we do this pretty often. We did the same thing last year after Wonder Woman with Lucy, where it was like, I think part of our brains were like, it's not going to get better than that, so let's not do this again until the fall. Well, and it really like, you know, you always refer to it as a monthly-ish podcast, and it, do, it does sort of we capture live up that. that promise. Yes. We do, but also um, to get very real for a minute, because I actually have had people reach out and say, hey, when is there going to be a new Wild Brunch, which yeah. I've been incredibly flattered by. Yeah. I swear to God, I'm not making these people up, and I'm also not shitty enough to name them by name and be like, something's that said so. Trap them. Uh, but name. actually, um, uh, a few days after we recorded Infinity War, my mother died very suddenly. And uh, that has understandably, I think, sort of taken me aback. Uh, and I, it wasn't that uh, I don't want to podcast anymore. It's just that um, for a while, for the first couple of months anyway, the idea of sitting down and doing this like nothing's nothing felt very strange to me. Sure. So I think not to the point where I like, actively resisted it so much as it kind of demotivated me uh, for a while. And then just we got... Like anything should have felt that way. You were spending time with your family in the wake of it. And no, I no, been avoiding them. them. Just, uh, just fuck you guys. They're on their own. Um, I do think that it should have all. I think it stands to reason that. Yeah, I mean, so 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 get off my back, people. Yeah, uh, guys. I'm going through a hard you, time. Like, no, I'm actually. I, I, stop I, blowing up the comment section. I, I feel I feel shitty making jokes about it. Uh, I am absolutely not making jokes at the expense of my mother's death. Clearly, uh, but I'm in a good place right now. I miss doing this. I really do. Yeah. Uh, and we're gonna get back on the horse in a big way today uh, by uh, ambitiously trying to cover every movie that we probably would have done an episode about had we the wherewithal in the schedule. I was thinking this morning. I wish we had like. Like one of those like clock timers. I have an idea about that. Are we gonna, yeah. I'm suggesting a format. 
I think we got a speed round to all of this. Yeah, totally. During which I think it's, um, uh, I get 60 seconds, you get 60 seconds, we get 60 Coffee? seconds per Yeah, minute. thanks, man. I appreciate it. And with about three minutes or less, but a three-minute ceiling on discussing each movie we're about to undertake. Great. Great. Uh, and then I want to talk about some exciting future plans we've got going on for what this podcast is going to look like moving forward. Yeah. When we're, once we're done being terrible and negligent about literally the easiest commitment once in the world. Once we're done doing a year's worth of podcasts <laughs> in one episode. Yeah. <laughs> We're just gonna we're just gonna start doing. We're gonna become the yearlyish podcast. Oh my god! <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> if we somehow sustained anything like a following during that, I think I would have to. We'd have to do a reverse Patreon where we send everybody a check every time we do an episode. So, totally. Where it's like, thank you, Here. you're great. We really appreciate you sticking around. Here's your ten bucks. I feel like there's some pretty good rules against buying uh, listeners, but uh, are there? I don't know. It's it's is is podcasting still wild west enough? I would. Give a per- yeah, it still is. Yeah. I would give a person five dollars to listen to this podcast. Joe would not actually comment. do that. I Joe would not. No, I would not do and that. Neither would I. I don't. <laughs> we're, we're not. We're not doing that for the actual record. <laughs> no way. No, not happening. Should we dive in? Do you have the list? I have the list. Okay, so we are timing. How are, how do you want to time? For the uh, I, here, I'll, I'll run the timer. Okay. Uh, and I will say. Do we want to do three minutes each per movie? I think it's three minutes per movie. Where it's, total? I get a minute. You get a minute. We get a minute. Oh, great. Okay. So so basically, you get to make your opening remarks. I get to make my opening remarks, and then we and then we flip it. Okay. All right. All right. Okay, you ready for stretch, this? Let me stretch it out. All right. Do you want to, can we, for the listener, as listeners, can we run quickly through the tentative list that we have? Yeah, absolutely. To okay. give them an idea of what they're about to hear. So per my uh, calculations. Or does, it, or, does it, or does it hot seat it more if I'm just shouting? Well, I've got the list, so that's unfair. Whatever you want to do, we can shout okay. it out. I'm fine. So uh, on today's episode, we will be covering, making up for lost time, uh, Deadpool 2. Solo, A Star Wars Story, Ocean's 8, Incredibles 2, Final Score, <laughs> Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Sorry to Bother You, Skyscraper, Mission Impossible, Fallout, Teen Titans, Go to the Movies, The Meg, Crazy Rich Asians, Predator, Venom, and Halloween. Love it. All right. I think that gets us about current. We are at our usual one-on-one coffee shop uh, on Franklin, and at some point, we're both about to probably order the same thing. I think so, too. So we'll go over that it's later when we get it. It's a episode. We got we to set a baseline. I can't. Just so you know what we're talking be about. Be pressured. <laughs> to over brunch on a Saturday morning. I'm not going to color. On a Saturday. I'm, I'm staying in the lines. That's, That's the right. fact. All right. All right. You ready? Let's rock and roll. All right. Three, two, one. Deadpool two. Me first. Okay. Um, I uh, re- I liked the first one, um, probably slightly less than everybody else. Mm-hmm. I felt that where they really ramped up all of the good stuff that we loved about the first one, there is the, in an effort to like make the the narrative about him. Why why does Deadpool? I'm fine with Deadpool 
breaking the fourth wall. I'm not fine with Deadpool crossing the boundary into the world where dead people live. Yeah, that I, was weird. I just am like, you're, you're trying to make this part of the narrative feel more important to us than you need to. Ten seconds. Because we don't care. We're just there to watch Deadpool fuck right. shit up and talk to the camera. Yeah, I agree. Five, right. four, three, two, one. Okay, now me. Uh, yeah, I... Uh, Big strong asterisk on this one, first movie I saw after Mom died, which sure. uh, on the one hand definitely put its thumb on the scale, but also made it just the escape that I needed, because it was about basically nothing to do with what I was feeling, so it was great in that regard. Um, I know much has been made of the fridging of Marina Baccarin, and I actually don't think it's okay that they hit Control-Z on it at the end of the movie, uh, especially not just because fridging is such a tired thing and sends such a bad message, but also, thank you, but also because uh, I would have much rather seen them set the challenge for themselves. How is this guy going to juggle being a monster and a loving partner? I think that would have been a lot more fun, especially because that's what they promised at the end of the first movie. That's where they said this is going. Now, having said all that, uh, real quick, Julian Dennison is fantastic, and uh, I really like Josh Brolin's Macklemore haircut. Four, three, two... Crosstalk. Also, credit to Josh Brolin for being jacked in this movie. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, Oh, my God. And I'm I'm down with the time travel and stuff. I'm down with the cable storyline. I'm down with all of that. The only component of this movie that I wasn't down with was this, like... Because I think they sort of did it in the first one, too, where they were like, oh, he's a mercenary, she's a stripper, she's a whore. How will we ever believe that they'll actually fall in love? And it's just like, you've trusted the format of your movie this far. Why don't you just go the extra mile? Especially because part of the running gag of these movies is the number of people that weighed by virtue of, yeah, he's a hitman and a mercenary and a monster, but there's something lovable about him, so he draws people around him that they stepped away from the challenge of uh, actually making that how does that work in a relationship that that yeah. bums me out yeah totally still a fun movie I still haven't thought about it much in the last six months I haven't still either fun. Um, all right what's all next? right cool um, ooh, ooh, all right this is like right. a workout okay, this is good uh, okay solo a Star Wars story you first me first me first okay and go um, I can see why they shut shit down after this movie tepid at best um, Although there were some parts of it that I really liked, and I have to say that I can see why they brought a storied professional like Ron Howard on board to to rescue it from wherever it was. Mm-hmm. I'm really bummed that we don't get to see the Lord and Miller cut. Obviously, mad props to Gambino for uh, his turn as Lando. <laughs> uh, mad props to Paul Bettany for playing a great villain. Um, unfortunately, I think the kid... I think they pumped a lot of air into his ego before they even went to to filming, Mm -hmm. where instead of... That they were like, oh, you're the guy, you're the guy, you're Han, you're Mm -hmm. the guy. Ten seconds. Instead of actually forcing him to make a character choice. Sure, I buy that. Five. Dang, coming in ahead of schedule, always. Okay, now me, go. Uh, I think it's weird that uh, it was a strange feeling 
I think the movie's fine, and I think it was, but I think it was a strange feeling coming away from it, like, oh, we've entered into the era of the just okay Star Wars movie. Uh, the of of the um, I don't want to offend the, the the taste and sensibilities of the the individual sensibilities of the listeners, but for lack of a better word, we've entered into the living daylights era of uh, of Star Wars. Um, I thought Alden Ehrenreich was fine. I think there were a bunch, but I think what was weird was the movie didn't really seem to want to make a decision of is it here's how Han Solo became Han Solo or is it. Han Solo's always been Han Solo, and here's just an adventure before the other adventures. Uh, I don't have any particular love for Amelia Clark, and I think that put the thumb on the scale again for me for the movie. Um, I think a Lord Miller approach would have been just weird enough to make it a little bit more piquant, and instead you wind up with a movie that's more fun-shaped than fun. Ooh! With two seconds left, yes. I could not agree with like everything that you said more. I think that it was that's all exactly the same way I felt about it and I also feel that for the few components, the few scenes that Train Heist was really into for, uh, for all of, for those parts that I actually really did like, I feel like they're sort of lost in the malaise of the overall thing. Yeah, and malaise is a good way of putting it because it is a movie that has a sort of YA angst all over it, yeah. I think predicting the audience that was coming to it and look, it's a Star Wars heist movie. You and I should love this more than anything more than in the anything. world. And that's what I mean when I say it's fun-shaped. Every scene was kind of like, oh, that was a good placeholder quip. Yeah. And they're going to cut. Like, like yeah. I would have given anything for you and I to have had 36 hours and a shitload of Red Bull just to just to take a hammer to the script. Totally. I mean, we would do that with anything. But I mean, my, we could do, we that do that with recreationally if you um, want to. Yeah, but, um, but I feel like... They were in such a rush to make everything stakesy that what was missing was there needed to be one charming scene early on where Han just bluffs his way through a heist and everything goes great. They never had that. And like oh, you said, dang it. Uh, time's up, but be Han. Yeah. He's Han all the time. Yeah. I think, wasn't it, how does he become the sm the legendary smuggler? Yeah. Not how does he, like, develop the personality we all right. loved him for. Right, like, I think, I, and, and I'm gonna... I'm going to come back later, since we're using our phones for timers right now, I can't hit the internet, but I saw something shared that uh, I agree with. There's a guy, he's an actor, I can't remember his name, he was uh, Finn in uh, Everybody Wants Some, super charismatic guy, that if he'd been playing the would've young Han better. Solo, yeah. it would have been like, what? Yeah. No offense to Alden Ehrenreich, I think he did the best he could with an unenviable no task and a rocket. No offense like, to really anybody associated with it, just it could have used... Uh, I think Ron Howard was a fine, safe choice. It could have used a guy with a little bit more spring in his step behind the wheel. 100%. Speaking of could have used a guy with a, more, a little more spring in his step behind the wheel, on to Ocean's 8. Hit you me, first or me first? Me first. Ocean's 8. Um, so my uh, my wife, who shall remain nameless, did not like this movie. Really? Um, she really felt like, and she's, you know, obviously driven to uh, female-centered, female-focused um Especially a movie like this one, a genre movie, a heist movie. So she did not like it because she felt like there was very little for these women to do. I have to say, I actually really enjoyed myself in this movie. Um, I thought like a, uh, I thought that the cast was pretty great, and even though some parts of the heist felt a little empty, and I felt like we didn't really need to have this movie with the ghost of Danny sort of hovering over everything. I didn't need that at all. Yeah. Kate Blanchett's uh, Kate Blanchett's 
character time. and her outfits in this movie were enough to keep me watching the entire I'm, time. I'm going to start my 60 seconds, uh, continuing your thought. Uh, Kate oh, Blanchett in this oh, movie. Awesome, thank you. Uh, Kate Blanchett in, I wanna be in Ocean's Eight Sorry. is an out and out assault on heterosexuality, and I'm totally fine with that. Um, it's uh, it, yeah, no, it was. I, I thought it was again. It was a movie that that I liked, but I thought was sort of fun shaped, and much like with Ron Howard in Solo on Solo, Gary Ross I think was not the guy for this. Uh, what I would have loved to have seen because Soderbergh was on it as a producer, and I would totally understand if he didn't want to direct another one of these. I would love for them to have done what they did with. Um, uh, Magic Mike Double XL, which is he's still a huge creative force behind it, but he's got one of his guys, or even dare I say, a female director directing this movie, and so that so that it feels of a piece with the series, but is clearly distinct. I just felt like I kept waiting for it to really kick into gear, uh, and that's three, two, one on me, and now us. Um, I to I agree. I like I said. I think like it was enough to keep me watching it, but at no point was I like, this is like gonna change the game. No, you know, and also. Who were the screen credited screenwriters on this one? Uh, I think Gary also, Ross was one of them. Also male. <laughs> like, uh, well, I think one man, one woman. But again, it's something where if they had set that challenge to, and again, it would have been nice to have seen Steven Soderbergh using his power to to elevate a project like this. I'm not dragging anybody on this. I just, you know, um, Mindy Kaling was great. Oh, every, uh, every, like everybody Fina. across the board. Rihanna was awesome. They did, they did the ensemble heist thing that I'm a huge fan of, which is, yeah, Molly's right. Your, your nameless wife is right uh, that uh, not everybody got got a ton to do, but everybody got one sort of sharp sequence to do. Tr totally true. Um, I would also watch a Rihanna Kate Blanchett two-hander. Oh, just a thousand percent, yeah. Can Aquafina still show up for that? Yeah, 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 of course. Okay, good. I like her, um, too. And, uh, oh, and uh, the one thing I will say, because this was the real Bush League thing for me, uh, I really hated uh, the, the late-breaking reveal of, that, that the Amazing Yen was involved oh, in this. yeah. Because nah. they, they, there was a way to bury that somewhere in the middle of Act 2 that you completely forget about it instead of just totally holding it for the end. It's like, but here's how we really did it. Yeah. With the thing you did, that's a cheat. Cheat. Total okay. cheat. Uh, right. so, yeah. Uh, okay, What's onward. Next up, Incredibles 2. You first or me first? Me first. Go. Um, I didn't... I d don't want to not like it. I don't want to. That's a great way of putting it. I'm going to steal that when it's my turn. I don't want to. Mm -hmm. I love the first one. I love Brad Bird. Uh, I love how much fun he has with filmmaking. There was, and there's something so righteous about the first Incredibles as uh, as it's as a movie. I felt that this one, twenty five, was trying too hard, That's and fair. I felt like there was no reason. There was too much time in between the new movies, the two movies, and. There was too much time within the narrative mm -hmm. of the two movies. Well, once again, you are giving me, you're ending your time with an exact layup to what I want to talk about, which is the gap between the two movies was needlessly long. Pointless. But it was, it was what it was. But, um, but 
uh, I think my problem is it w- is that the story is just like basically the very next day and is still tied to those threads. I think what that I, I think that's hard with with long long delayed sequels or like long you know belated sequels of any sort is. For this to like, like this would have been a perfectly fine movie to come out in 2007, like if it's and then the next day this happened, but instead it's like there's a broader context going on, things have changed a lot, so it feels very strange for it to just be like and then this is what happened next, uh, and now on to basically the same movie but for Elastigirl instead of Mr. Incredible. I don't wanna, I don't wanna find it disappointing. It's out on home video now, and I have a five-year-old, almost six-year-old. I guarantee you, I'm gonna see this movie a bajillion more times, and I'm fine with that. But I wanna be more than fine with the new Incredibles movie. And that's me and now us. I think that that's exactly right. And I also think... But see, here's another instance. Like, this is like a perfect example of what we were talking about with Deadpool 2. Where it's like, at the end of Incredibles, the last shot of Incredibles is the whole family. They're going to work together as a family. And like, that was the promise for the sequel. And then the first thing they do is split them all Just do it. Just do that. What what is the... Because then you might... You have a fresh movie instead of, like you said, literally doing... Oh, awesome. Look at that. Thank you. Fruit platter. You were not kidding about that fruit. That is a fruit ladder. Yes, thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Perfect. Thank Thank you. you. Um, I now that food has arrived, I think I'm without even taking a bite. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. Brunch, is already, yeah. brunch is already better I, than Incredibles. I think that there was uh, there was a there's a it's just another missed opportunity to just yeah. do a fresh thing instead of doing the same thing that you did the first time. Well, because you can still and we talked about this when we did. Train Spotting 2, a movie I'm only just now remembering exists. Oh, but God, it's like right. that instead of diving into the innate challenge that they've set up for themselves, they delay it. You know, they put off Renton versus Begbie till the third act because right. they couldn't figure out how do we work through this. Right. Or didn't want to set that challenge. And I think you can tell whatever story you want to tell. That's fine. But like. I'm allowed to be a little bit disappointed, especially if it feels like the first thing on my mind is how are they going to deal with this leftover thing from yeah. the last one. Um, awesome. Is that intermission? Uh, that's intermission. Yum, yum. It's time for a tasty and refreshing snack. We promise to satisfy your hunger, your thirst, your sweet tooth. So visit our refreshment center now. Let's go. God, I'm so hungry. I've been doing uh, the I've been doing the intermittent fasting thing. That's great. So right? it, it's totally great. But then every morning I am as ravenous as I've ever been. Really? Kind of. I think it's more the thought than anything else. Yeah. Like my body's dealing with it a lot better than my brain. If I stick to it, I feel like after a few days, I'm like I can't even think about eating until afternoon. That's fair. Um, Very fair. Well, good of you to uh, <laughs> join me. Um, are you still boxing? I have taken some time off from it because that first um, package of lessons that I that I bought, I worked through them. Yeah. 
I'm gonna get back into it uh, next week, week after. Great. I really enjoy it. Um, it's um, like it's it's more cardio than anything else. It's more cardio than I've ever done in my life. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's really just about pushing myself, and also it's a good opportunity to get out some uh, get out some aggression. Because um, totally. obviously, in the wake of everything that's happened the last few months, to say nothing of gestures broadly around us, there's some anger in the air. Um, totally. Oh, by the way, quick plug for one of our best off-season activities. If you're in the L.A. area, I, and I think I can speak for Joe on this one, cannot recommend strongly enough going to Rage Ground L.A. Um, we got to go back. Um, Dude. Google it and then go do it and feel great for forever. I'm surprised. More people don't do it. Um, I, but and yet everyone I've pitched it to, everyone I've told about our experience with it is like, I gotta go do that right away. It's like, yeah, you do. It's like therapy. If you think you should do it, do it. Yeah, I think it's like. Also, it's therapeutic, and you get to break stuff. Even if you, I mean, even to just like rent out a room and like scream and yell and I don't know. Totally worth it. I'm in a place these days where that counts for a lot. That's the thing about the boxing classes. I'm really glad everybody is sort of in their own head. This is a group class. Right. And I feel like I'm the noisiest person there because everything I do comes with a grunt. Great. Um, but, and I felt self-conscious about that at first until I looked around the room and I was like, nobody's paying attention to me. Uh, this is, this is, this is me time. Just, this is 12 people experiencing me time at once. They're all doing their own shit. Mm -hmm. Well, and that helped me too because it made me realize everything's so awesome. amazing. It made me realize that unlike most situations when you're in a room with a dozen people, you know, it, it, it's, by human nature you get competitive in an environment like that. This is something where it's like, oh, I'm not racing them. I'm not trying to do better than they are. I'm trying to do better than I did last time or than I'm doing now. You get, like, your own bag, too, mm -hmm. right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And it's no sparring, so it's like... Which is good, because that kind of one-on-one -on -one aggression sort of freaks me out. Um, I'm not really in this to learn how to compete. Really just learning, trying to get some anger out, get some aggression out, and learn how to live in my body a little bit more. And get some exercise. And get some exercise, because I, oh my god, it just gets the gravy out of my blood so well. Like, I, I come home from that and just, like, take a bath, usually pop an edible, and I'm just, like, as chill as I've ever been. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, it is, like, it kind of, like, hits all the notes, for mm -hmm. sure. Um, I mean, also, I'm doing the other grief stuff, too. That's been really by turns. I found that creative work uh, has been um, a really great outlet uh, for that. Um, I was really... In the first couple of weeks after Mom died, I found it very difficult to muster the concentration or the energy or the motivation to do any of the stuff that you and I like to do. Sure. Um, and I'm happy to say I've gotten back on the horse with a lot of that and been really creatively productive to the point where that's become therapeutic too. Uh, so, to everybody who's been a party to that or a partner in that the last few months, you are helping save my life in ways I haven't even told you about. Yeah, that's and that's you too, buddy. Hey, man. I'm glad you feel that way about... Absolutely. Absolutely, stuff. yeah. So, I mean, it's... it's um, it's a process. But you know what? We're back here. We're having some brunch. We're talking about movies really rapidly. Um, I actually like this... Uh, this speed round thing is pretty good. Yeah, man. It forces you to, like... I feel like it's forcing me to, like, get to the nugget of what the fuck I'm saying. Absolutely. 
And you're saying that prior to this, we've had problems with rambling, <laughs> getting off topic, being oh, a little discursive. <sighs> Should we dive back in? I'm ready, man. All right, cool. Next up on the docket, and I'm actually really hyped to talk about this movie, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. You first, me first. Hit me. All right, and go. I think that I was like almost pre-programmed not to like this movie. Fair. Because it's a, an, a, an installment in the Jurassic Park franchise. Mm -hmm. First one still feels precious. Mm -hmm. um, and the last one I thought was so abysmal mm -hmm. and had so much potential and was such an incredibly incredible missed opportunity. I really enjoyed this one. I had a really good time. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Because I was about to... Well, we're still in your time. I mean, I didn't like... Uh, it was total popcorn movie. Mm -hmm. And at no point was this movie ever like, we're more than a popcorn movie. It was like, we're a popcorn movie. You want a big dinosaur? I'm going to give you a bigger dinosaur. You want a scary dinosaur? I'm going to give you a scary dinosaur. Here's Chris Pratt being buff. Mm -hmm. Here's Bryce Dallas Howard making fun of her heels in the last movie and also looking rad in this movie. It was all great. Loved it all. Uh, and that's your time. Right to the right to the bell. Uh, I agree with everything you just said. Um, are you, I, I don't know if we ever discussed this, you a Planet of the Apes fan, like an OG Planet of the Apes fan? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I was watching this movie and went Not into like it. like a, like a devotee. No, but, I, but, yeah. but you, maybe you can follow me on this one. Um, just because I went into this movie much like you did. I'm like, it's a Jurassic Park sequel. They are, by definition, not good. Uh, and um, uh, and I went in not with it. I don't want to say with a chip on my shoulder, but it was like, my kid's obsessed with dinosaurs. Of course we're going to go see this movie. And we went, and I found, like, as early as, like, five minutes in, a lot of my, uh, a lot of my suspicion was melting away. Because yeah. they finally did what the Planet of the Apes movies did, which was they, they changed the footprint of the movies. Because every Jurassic Park sequel up until this one has tried to sort of go back to zero and just be like, hey, here's the wonder of dinosaurs. Oh no, they're killing, and like, we're back on an island, we're doing that. Like, and that worked exactly once. It yeah. worked with you. I'm, I'm going over time, I don't care. Because yeah. I have a lot of love for this movie. Um, I love that they shifted the footprint finally, and this is the first Jurassic Park sequel that was like, hey, what if we just went bonkers? Like, yeah. what if we just embraced that we're we're beyond the we're beyond the bleeding edge here? Yeah. What if we just started making some shit up? Yeah. And I firmly believe that you can watch the original Jurassic Park and should, because again, I have a dinosaur-obsessed kid, I see Jurassic Park 18 times a year, and I couldn't be happier about it because it's a great movie. You can watch that first one. If you slapped a title card at the head of this one that said 25 years later, you could just roll right from that into this. You Skip don't all the other ones. You don't need any of the others, and whatever backstory gets referenced in this one, just fill it in in your mind. It's better than what you're skipping. I don't know um, if I needed the, the reveal of the kid being like a clown. No, but again, I was glad because it was fucking weird. Yeah. Like, these movies have decided to finally be fucking weird. Just like swing for the fences. Yeah. And it's like, why, like, I, like, I know people are like, why is a Jurassic Park movie set in, like, a haunted mansion? And I'm like, that was so weird and great. I fucking love it. Dinosaurs in a haunted mansion. Where you've got, where you've got, like, like, um, 
Toby Jones with weird dentures oh and a spray tan and just like I mean I, I don't even know like a lot of the time what they were going for except like you said just to be popcorny and great and not try to recapture the wonder and awe of, of the original and just like we're off the map here and that was so much more thrilling to me than oh here's new people to feed to velociraptors because they don't know what we do totally finally a Jurassic Park movie was again trying to stay ahead of the audience yeah. even if they were a little bit dumb about it I don't care it was great. I love no. it. I watched this movie a bajillion times. I'll watch it a bajillion more. No, I think, yeah, I think it was good. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So that's good. So we finally got to a summer movie we Thanks. both felt good about. Yeah, totally. In October. But, you know. All right. M. Hey, what is time? Time is relative. Next up, Ant-Man and the Wasp. I'm ready. ready to rock. Three, two, one, go. I really liked that. Another one I really liked. And I think, like, I've talked about it. I've talked about it at, at length that I'm over comic book movies mm-hmm. that I'm like beleaguered obviously I think this like last phase with Black Panther Spider-Man Ragnarok all of these movies that are sort of like these uh, chapters that are sort of like let's tweak it like this uh, yeah. for this one um, has been refreshing but like then we still like dive back into Infinity War and I'm just like all the characters all the punching all of the whatever mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Thank you. But I have to say that I found a lot of joy in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Evangeline Lilly was excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas she was a little pretty underutilized in the last one. Mm-hmm. And I think the movie gets mad credit for great use of Paul Rudd, perfect use of Paul Rudd. If I had one criticism, not enough Michelle Pfeiffer, that is all. Again, you're ending with the layup to me. Not enough Michelle Pfeiffer. But also, I feel that way about literally every single movie. I feel that way about my entire life. Pretty much. Like, this side of Fabulous Baker Boys, uh, there's not enough Michelle Pfeiffer in any movie. 100%. Um, I thought, I don't love the first Ant-Man. I think it's fine. Uh, it's another one that feels kind of fun-shaped to me. But what I, I, so I think I actually like this one more than the original because they felt relaxed. They weren't selling quite as hard as they were with the first one. And I love that, well, it's usually a drag to have that sort of, that, that lethal weapon Joe Pesci effect of like, hey, we're bringing everybody back. Like, it's like, whether it makes sense or not. I love that they brought Michael Pena and oh, his God, gang back hilarious. to the point of still finding a way to get one of his motor mouth montages out when he's under truth serum. That's like, I, I, uh. Also, the truth serum runner mm. was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is truth serum. That was so fantastic. good. And I gotta say, I really liked the, um, I really liked the, 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 the post, the mid-credits tie-back to Infinity War. I thought that was, totally. I thought that was a super fun Perfectly way to just apropos. be like, oh, this is where we are. Well, and I think I love the fact that, um, Wherever Infinity War started, or wherever uh, the next Infinity War starts, Scott is trapped in subatomic mm-hmm. level. Mm-hmm. No, I love it. Um, that part's great. Awesome. Hey, Amen. All right, two two in a row. Two in a row. Feeling pretty good about that. You can also, I mean, not to bring it back down again, but I'm also, as we're going back through this, I, I'm really charting my process through grieving, where it's like, oh yeah, those first couple of movies, they just sort of bounce off the surface. So now we're a little bit more removed from it. I'm starting to find ways to enjoy movies on right. their own merits again. But to be fair, <coughs> I did not lose my mother, and I still didn't and you're like following a other. <laughs> you're just a good friend. Listen, you're right here I was sharing me. your pain the entire time. <laughs> Mom, if you're listening, we are not Please. making fun I of this. I swear to God, I, I will never... You. 
I would I never. love you and miss you every single day. Your, your uh, memory is honored. If I'm not talking about it like this, uh, you don't want to see. You don't want to hear that podcast. Yeah, mom. come on. Otherwise, we'll record ourselves in the rage room. <laughs> All right. Next up. Sorry to bother you. Pass. Didn't see it. it. All right. Uh, while we're on the subject, I'm throwing an audible in here that should be should have been on the list. Have you seen Black Klansman? No. Okay. It's not available to rent yet on iTunes. Just now. Like, so, literally yesterday, I think. You saw it? I saw it oh, in no, theater. Oh, no, I think November 6th. It's available oh, okay. on iTunes. Um, regardless of which, uh, uh, as the sole spokesman on behalf of these movies, and I'm not trying to group them like, oh, here's the here's the black section of right. the summer. Right. But there was, I feel like at the time, a little bit of a narrative joining these two movies together. Yeah. Um, sorry to bother you. Uh, I liked it. But, I wanted to love it and wound up only liking it and also think I am not necessarily the audience to evaluate it because I feel like there's a lot that, uh, I, that I've would heard have that bounced off the surface on me. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, Black Klansman, I love. I thought was great. Yeah. Like like Spike Lee, I find, is... I either love his movies or I hate his movies. Uh, this was one of the ones where he was completely on his game and not... That has been part. the overall reception, mm-hmm. I feel like. I, I've heard that quite a bit. And not to take anything away from John David Washington, who is great and has echoes of his father uh, where it counts, because Denzel's kid. Yeah. And you see it come through. Uh Adam Driver is amazing in this. Adam I Driver love that is guy. really starting to emerge as like one of my favorite performers right now. Okay. Uh, oh wait, hang on, I don't set the timer yet. Um, skyscraper. Let's go. Alright, and go. I turned this movie off after 25 minutes. No, I'm a, I'm a liar. That's not, it probably wasn't 20, 25 minutes. When he climbed the scaffolding and then jumped into the skyscraper is when I started to fade, sure. fade out. Yeah, um... You I, can... You feel free to... Yeah, I think we're just gonna dive in. I, I didn't love it. Um, I am really sick was, of... I'm sick of The Rock doing these sort of, like, cookie-cutter... Well, it's just like, why... Why can't these movies be fun? Not like, fun. Why, like, like, it wasn't fun. The, the, I, I don't remember the bad guy. I no. don't... Um, I mean, granted, it's been several months, but... So, Die Hard came out 30 years ago. There's also, like, no... And, and by the way, before I try to say, well, not every movie has to be Die Hard. Your man on a mission in a skyscraper movie has to be or surpass Die Hard. Without question. Otherwise, don't do it. There's no, like, ingenuity to it. Like, it's just, again, it's, like, a lot of, like... How, let, let's make the rock like let's make this character punch the hardest jump the furthest like and what a misuse of the rock oh my god a guy with incredible charisma and sense of humor and comic timing and let's just have him be straight faced all the time Ooh. and it was also the movie was missing for me just that that head tilt moment oh this thing I'm about to do is crazy but I guess we're gonna do it anyway, and then you do it like that. That yeah, that's not even something where like that to me that transcends international language barriers. You know that that's what makes movies like this fun. You know that you have a problem if your movie is absurd, not because of it. it it's it's absurd in its earnestness. It's yeah. so earnest that it's mm. absurd. Um, and I think that that's the issue. That's yeah. what makes me tune out. Yeah, it wasn't a fun movie. So, all right, moving okay, on. Cool. Uh, I think we're about to have some fun here. Mission Impossible Fallout. Oh, hit and me. And go. I, oh, greatest movie of all time? I don't know. Oh, maybe. Wow. All right. Um, I really felt this movie so hard from start to finish. And uh, to be fair, I'm a huge fan of 
uh, McQuarrie's uh, last outing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I liked it that was, this was a continuation. Yeah. Um, I really think that he fucking casts shit well. I think we've got an actual, like, formidable, frightening villain in these two movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Tom Cruise has been at its best in these two movies. Mm-hmm. And to say nothing of the fact that we're legitimately pushing the boundaries of what is sane or <laughs> physically reasonable for this 50-year-old dude to do on camera. Absolutely. I think that's rad. The, if there was a weak link in the in the in, 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 or a weak thread in the tapestry, I'd say Henry Cavill's acting, but that's the only part. Otherwise, loved the way he looked, loved his mustache, loved his biceps, loved the uh, I loved it from back to front. I'm I'm with you I on that. I loved the Young actress who's on the crown who plays yes, yeah, yeah. who, who maybe played, played uh, not maybe she she out now she says she's Max's daughter so she was Vanessa Redgrave's that daughter that was so good and that was those callbacks were so good fun little callback you didn't miss anything if you missed it but meanwhile she was doing such a fun little riff oh. on because because that's the thing too is by the episodic nature of these movies and the sort of skeletal continuity that ties them together you forget that 20 years ago Vanessa Redgrave gave an incredible performance. She was also doing a great Vanessa Redgrave impression. She really was, where she's just got that sort of the the, the, the big blue eyes and the oh. weirdly flirtatious thing. Like, like it was great. Um, my, if I have one gripe about this movie, and I have only one gripe, it doesn't have a centerpiece uh, action sequence. I found. Um, I think the Halo jump was incredible and really well done, but it's done in the first 15 minutes of the movie. And I'm not saying it's about placement necessarily, because I also think that um, in uh, uh, Ghost Protocol, like part of my only problem with Ghost Protocol is its best sequence is in the middle, and it never tops that. Yeah. But then in um, Rogue Nation, you get the um, the underwater vault sequence, and then the movie keeps escalating. Stunning, yeah. So it gets a centerpiece, and then it builds from that. This one didn't do that for me, but... I, I saw it two times, spread apart by a couple of months, uh, and this is something we don't usually get to do here. By the time we're doing a podcast, I've usually seen a movie once, so it's a first impression. First time I saw it, it was in 3D, which was a mistake, but it was our only option. We were on vacation when we saw it. Yeah. Um, and uh, 3D actively hurt this movie oh. in a way that I haven't seen, because the thing is, like you said, we're pushing the limits of sanity over what a 50-year-old can do. So the 3D to me became an obstacle. Like, it actually made all the real shit he was doing look fake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, that. why did you jump out of a plane at 35,000 feet or whatever uh, if you're just going to remove me from the action? We saw it again a couple of months later in 2D. Every beat landed. Everything worked. No kidding. Um, I am sorry to see Alec Baldwin exit the series so quickly. I think I that was thrilled. a poor move. I, but yes, Angela Bassett, Bassett's their new boss, oh, no, and that's great. Um, can't argue with and that. I got like, like Henry Cavill. I agree on his performance. I don't find him to be a super charismatic performer by and large. He has achieved the feat of coming closer than any other performer of almost convincing me to try having a mustache for a while. Yeah, yeah, totally. He looks really good. Until I realize I don't have the chin that he does, and then, you know. Also, his arms are... I know it's laughable, and it's the best gift from any movie ever. Him cocking his arms. The reloading like bicep is the greatest thing that's ever to happened. Go, to, go, to go punch a dude. I, and by the way, the closest, for me, the closest that movie has to a centerpiece is that fucking bathroom. Oh, it's, a, it's great. It is vicious and amazing. And I gotta say, I even am way into um, 
I, well, I'm, I'm, I'm way into the construction of that helicopter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which was another thing that in 3D just washed right over me. A bummer. In 2D, I was, well, I'm like, oh, there are story beats going on here. Like, yeah. And it's, it's about, it was a great way to embody his relentlessness. Yeah. And I thought it was done really, really well. Yeah. Um, we have not once mentioned um, uh, Rebecca Ferguson. I mean, she's ASAP, the real ASAP Ferg. But this, I'm legit, I think her and, um, now I'm forgetting the actor's name that plays. Michelle Monaghan? No, the oh. villain. The, oh, uh, oh, um. I think they're two of those they're, they're, those two were really entering the series in the last one and this one are two of the greatest casting mm-hmm. master strokes I've ever seen uh, they're just invaluable Absolutely. here's what I like too is that while I appreciated what they were doing she in, was also like pregnant while they were filming that's insanity to me by the way but um what I thought was really uh, what I, one of the things I thought was great I love in Rogue Nation that she's this sort of like she's almost like a Hitchcock figure yeah. in it like she's 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 glamorous and dangerous and all steps of that steps out of the shadows but I love that in this one just by virtue of the mission that you that the missions that she's on you see what kind of agent she is and she's just she is all business in this one yeah and she is she, yeah she's fucking good yeah she's great. and I remember uh, uh, a um a bit of uh, a, a wild brunch dispute we had a while back off mic. Uh, we could not, uh, we couldn't come to a consensus on um, on Rebecca Ferguson versus Michelle Monaghan in this series. And I feel like this movie hurt us and ga- ga- gave us both. Gave us true, both. totally true. Mm-hmm. I am, uh, I am definitely in the Rebecca Ferguson camp. And that's fine. This is how, and, but I understand. And I'm in love with Michelle Monaghan, and it's cool. I, this is how we keep the marriage spicy. Totally, totally. Um, great. What's yeah, our, Mission Impossible Fallout was a great big thumbs up. What's our next? Next up, um, uh, Teen Titans go to the movies. Passed into it. Dang it. Sorry. You have to see this movie. Uh, that's what I've heard. Okay, we're going to circle back and coffee break this one. Okay. And we're going to bring Elliot because he has strong opinions about it. Sure. It's. I know you're fatigued on comic book movies. I'm not saying this one will 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 uh, will uh, put you back to sea level. It's just so fucking fun. Great. And it's amazing that it's a kids movie that gets away with the shit it gets away with. I mean, I'm definitely open to it. Mm-hmm. Um, go see it. Uh, next up, The Meg. Didn't see it. You're fine. Um, I still want to see it. Don't rush. Um, I, I won't. I mean, I obviously didn't. I remember having a conversation, and this ties into what I was saying with Skyscraper. I remember having a conversation 20 years ago with a dude. As, I mean, is as, it as fun and absurd as it seems to no, be? No, that's the problem. Why bother? I, but I remember having a conversation, this is literally 20 years ago, and I remember this conversation. Uh, it was right before Deep Blue Sea was coming out, and this guy I know was really hyped for it to come out. And at this point, he was sincerely hyped for it, not like, oh, this movie's going to be terrible, like for 20 years we've all known it is. Right. And he's like, you know, not every shark movie has to be Jaws. And I said, I disagree with you. Because I'm not, look, I'm not saying a shark movie can be Jaws again, but I'm saying you got, those are the fences you have to swing for. Yeah. So this didn't even swing for the deep blue sea fences. Oh. And that is a bummer. You literally have a movie about an absurdly giant shark. But it's so absurdly giant that it's kind of like, the, the scale doesn't work. Like, if you get eaten by, by, uh, by a megalodon, it's, like, not, it's not even gonna hurt. It's like getting eaten by an asteroid. Like yeah. you're just it's it's or a transformer. Like nope. It's like nobody wants to get stepped on by Godzilla, and that's fine. And that's that's what this should have been. This should have been the Godzilla 
of shark movies. But the problem is there are no, there aren't really aquatic structures for a shark to step on. Right. Exactly. So it just right. it doesn't exactly work. And this feels like one. I know it's been. It was in production and turnaround for a bajillion years, and this one felt like when it finally came out, they're like, "Well, we've been at it for this long. Let's just, let's just, here we go." Can we finish this, please? Yeah. Can we wrap this up, please? Um, <laughs> moving on. Crazy Rich Asians. Haven't seen that. God damn I'm it. I'm sorry. It was fun. That's what I heard. I heard it was hilarious. Super actually. fun. Uh, again, um, uh, uh, tip of the hat to Aquafina, the um, she's the person who I started this year not knowing who they were, and am ending this year um, basically in love with. Yeah, she's pretty special. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the two leads in that movie too are uh, oh my pretty God. exceptional. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Henry Golding and Constance Wu. Yeah, Constance Wu is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, she's next level. Yeah. Uh, moving on then, and this one was going to be its own episode for a while, and maybe someday will be. Let's talk about the Predator. And do we, go. Do we have to? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I'm hurt. Okay. Uh, and I'm. Uh, I mean, I'm hurt by. I'm hurt personally <laughs> by uh, Shane Black. Not least of which. For the, uh, because of this movie, but because of some of his conduct in making this movie, uh, which I think is highly questionable. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, you have we have every opportunity to make this rad fucking movie mm-hmm. better than the original. Yeah, I. And I I you did. You didn't. Oh no, not at all. Not by a um, long shot. Here's here's my thing about the Predator, and I don't mean the movie, and I don't mean I don't mean the original movie either. I mean the monster itself. Yeah. The Predator's not that scary. I mean, he'll fuck you up. He's got he's got a really wicked arsenal. But I I rewatched Predator and Predator Two uh, not long ago. Predator Two. Predator Two is not bad. Not bad. We're gonna we're gonna get to that. I, I want to talk about some of our future podcast plans before we wrap today up, and we'll talk about our, our long game plans for that. But I rewatched Predator. Predator is effective as a movie, not not solely because of the monster or the splat it's because they're stuck in this shitty inescapable situation and that's what a lot of the tension is derived from that's the chessboard they're playing on and you add to that this giant killer monster that can that can just is wreck the shit that is invisible and can wreck can use the trees to get around and can wreck the shit out of like the machoist macho men like it's basically a commentary on commando at that point yeah uh those are the things that make the first movie work. Not, oh, it's got dreadlocks and mandibles. Isn't that scary? And it's like, well, not really. Just, we were afraid of black people then as a culture. And they knew that then Stan Winston knew that was effective. I also think, you know, here again, like, one of the first marketing images that came out uh, had the tagline, you will never see him coming. Mm-hmm. And they used that particular trait of that creature almost never exactly. in this movie. I, I wish I could tell you how many we, times it was. We I don't recall. We saw him coming all of the time. Um, I, yeah, all of the time. Light years away. You know, this whole movie seems to be focused on, yeah, like you said, they sold the movie on You'll Never See Him Coming. 
the CIA or whoever the shadow organization, they know all about him, they're ready for him, they, you know, they've they named him, him, they've named the him. The Predator. Yeah. Uh, and this is no disrespect to Sterling K. Brown, who is, well, I, I wanted to be in the movie that he was in. Me too. I wanted to watch that movie. Me too. Um, well, and, because... And I wish he'd brought Boyd Holbrook and everyone else with him into that movie. Well, I was like... Yeah, because I was, I was also like... Well, I think we're we have like two different potential movies here also sure um, and maybe it's a combination of those two but like all of it together was just a mess yeah I and I want to say I mean I really felt what I like to attribute especially when we're dealing with creatives like Shane Black and Fred Decker guys who know how to hold a movie together I think there was a lot of studio fuckery going on I'm sure it, it. well just because when these guys, these particular guys are making a movie and it's that devoid of character or spark, like something something's going on. They are not in control they're not in command of the project. Sure. But also, I don't and we're by the way in the exact same booth where we I think where we discussed Kiss Kiss and and Nice Guys at this very place or yeah. in the row. Yeah. I, it's one of those things where I was good with the idea of this movie because it's a new Shane Black movie and I will always say yes to that. A Shane Black monster movie doesn't necessarily appeal to me on Facebook. Take, take, take the nostalgia, take the brand loyalty out of the equation. Say it was a new monster movie from Shane Black. I mean, yeah, we'd be excited because it's Shane Black, but it's like his skill set doesn't really seem to be for that kind of tension and release, that kind of suspense, that kind of mood, that kind of tone. You know what I mean? No, I think you. I think that's a point. I don't know if I. I might agree with it. I don't know. I'm not trying to limit the guy. I think I really just didn't enjoy this movie so much. It wasn't that enjoyable. It was not that enjoyable. I also think this like sort of background story about him hiring the uh, guy who. Yeah. Solicited, try to solicit sex from a 14-year-old. Yeah, that's that's problematic. And didn't tell anybody. Yeah. And then defended it by saying, like, I just wanted to help my friend out. I was like, dude, if I knew a dude, yeah. if I had a friend who would try to solicit sex from a 14-year-old, he wouldn't be my friend anymore. No, we're done. Yeah. I mean, I mean, forget for a minute in this day and age. But in this day and age. And I think, like, you know, you respect these guys and we're both like shame huge shame black fans and yeah you I don't know him personally or him as a person does not affect me as a person and I should be like looking at the work but also like shit happens like that and you're just like ah oh, come on you gotta you, you really want to look at the game board I understand he doesn't want to cut a friend loose but his friend did something unforgivable and like and then everybody left Olivia Munn out there twisting yeah in, man in the and PR. she was one of the best parts about this movie she was she was I went and what you were saying before about it being multiple different movies, like you had some really charismatic performers trying their best and pulling in all sorts of directions with it. Put me in her movie, the the one that her energy her is and Sterling. and Sterling. Like yeah, forget the crazy guys in the bus, even though they were kind of fun too. Hey man, they were they were great Toronto comic Road relief. Great and like yes, but, totally. But it was it was disjointed and it just felt you know it just it it was it was a it was a bummer. Yeah, and especially because nobody was begging for this movie. No. I mean, literally. Um, so, okay, there's that. Moving on uh, to Venom. Didn't see it. Neither. <laughs> finally finally found where my threshold was on comic book. A hundred percent. Where I was... I, and and I, I don't... I, 
I don't know that I've ever been a comic book movie completist so much as a, hey, there's a new movie coming out, completist. Sure. A uh, new popcorn movie coming out, completist, I should say, because there's, you know, Call Me By Your Name is going to sit in my Netflix queue for a thousand years. Yeah. It just will. Yeah. Um, and Shape of Water was bad. Uh, but So um, bad. But, but uh, everything I saw about Venom, I was just like, I don't really see making time for this. No? Nope. It doesn't. If, uh, I figured it was like I have no affinity for the character I don't my brain will logically in anticipation for him like and I'm the same as you I just like anytime Molly's like oh do you want to go see that movie and I was like if there is any indication that it's a movie that's going to make me cry no <laughs> um, and if it's a movie that's uh, based on somebody's real life probably not that's fair um, but if it has explosions or aliens or things that change from one shape to another I'm in mm-hmm. and normally my brain will do the thing where it like sort of like can recalculate with each round of trailers or each round of marketing and it'll do the thing where it's like okay so that's not totally what you envisioned or what you uh, were looking forward to but I can always right. still kind of find a way. Yeah. Once I saw the trailer for this movie, I was like, straight no. Absolutely Tur- not. Turned in the wind. Yep. Turned me off. I was oh, like, yeah. I was like, that's... What is what, that, even? What is that? Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I just... So, yeah. Okay, so we skipped it. All right, there we go. Uh, moving on to our latest and final release, uh, Halloween 2018. I'm going tomorrow. Oh, okay. Tomorrow well, night. It's fun. I can't wait. Enjoy. I'm really looking forward to yeah, it. It's a good time. Uh, I think huge congrats to like Jamie Lee Curtis and mm. the movie itself for being this huge opening and a huge female-led opening. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's rad that we got guys like David Gordon Green and uh, Danny McBride who are like changing up their genre to yeah. go tackle something that they love. I think the only thing about it, and this is not to give anything away. The only thing that really didn't do it for me, I mean, I've had a weird relationship with horror movies the last couple of years, Mm -hmm. because you buy a house and you have a kid, and then you suddenly realize every horror movie is there's something in your house and it's coming for your kid. So it's a real turnoff for me, because I have that anxiety every single day without the Babadook putting it in. Don't need the fucking Babadook. Don't need the Babadook. Um, Oh, although I sat down, uh, Tanya and I sat down last night and she finally watched it. Uh, which she had not seen. It's so good. It's so good. It is, as I was saying on, on the Facebooks last night, it's my third favorite Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Absolutely. It's so good. It's so good. And I can't wait for the next one next year. No, but, me neither. But also that, the cast is. Yeah. Oh, they're they're all phenomenal. Um, but my thing about Halloween, and it's not just about this new one, it's about Halloween in general. Walk and stab movies, I think, don't really do it for me anymore. I, I, I don't get it. find there to be anything immediately frightening oh my god he picked up that knife and he stabbed that guy and it's like well okay yeah he sure he sure a stab monster stabbed a person I can understand that serves you right for being near a stab monster don't get close to the point it's either serves you right for being near a stab monster or oh that person didn't deserve that why is that happening yeah yeah I understand that this person just trying to give out some goddamn mini snickers to some kids and is getting stabbed in the face by a 70-year-old mental patient. Uh, now I know life isn't fair, but but it's also not fair outside of the Arclight Sherman Oaks. <laughs> I don't need to bring that in. No, 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 I'm getting busy. No, it's a good like point, a, though. I watched so many John Mulaney specials this week, by the way, that that's, that's where you're getting That's the voice in your head right now. Yeah. Um, I think that I, I'm willing to argue that, you know, like anything else, has its place. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm... 
I think, yes, I can totally see where having a house and having a kid will put it, it the appeal totally of movies changes. like this yeah. off. Yeah, yeah. It totally changes it. But now, I, but I've also found that when I'm not being scared by a movie, when I'm not being scared by a horror movie, it doesn't mean I don't enjoy it. Like, the, well, the first time I saw It, I was, I was pinioned with terror to yeah. my seat. I went and saw it by myself. I went and saw it at a midnight show. I made every rookie mistake for going to a horror movie, um, but Tanya didn't want to see it, and I really did, so that's what you do. So good. And then, now that I know where the scares are, and I actually find that, like, individually, the scary things in it are not super scary. They are just tonally perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so now I can really appreciate it. I actually think it is scarier between the scare movies. Sure. It's that, that ratcheting up the suspense and also the jokes work. I know I know this is a movie that came out a year ago. Also good, good acting. Good, like, great yeah. performances. The great kids performances. sell the hell out of it. And I mention it just because that's what I appreciate on the second go-around. The second, third, fourth go-around by this point. Um, with Halloween, because I didn't necessarily find it to be that terrifying an experience, I was able to appreciate the filmmaking, and it's a really well-made movie. I can't wait. I think, it's a really, I think you're going to enjoy it. I think we're going tomorrow night. All right, cool. So, Also, you know, not on the list, but uh, go check out A Star is Born. It's not bad. I have to see it. It's not I'm bad. very I'm very eager for the religious experience yeah, of you know, Lady Gaga. She's really something in it. There was a couple other ones that I did try to catch up on oh, yeah, that maybe weren't worth it. Let me pull up my list here. Uh-huh. I watched Sicario. Oh, the new one? Day of the Soldado. How was it? Don't know. <laughs> Stopped paying attention pretty quick. Got because it. it's just a lot of butch white dudes telling each other what's up. Um, well, yeah. wait, wait, wait. I have to ask a question because it's Taylor Sheridan. Did they find a white woman to explain things at? No, but I think... So, like, pepper spray to Elizabeth Olsen doesn't accidentally wander into the movie, still regaining her sight, and they're like, good, glad you're here. Here's uh, what's up with Mexico. I like that, that that movie, he was like, we're going to set, I'm going to set this movie <laughs> on... On the res. On the res, with a female FBI agent... But the person that solves the crime is the, the white, white dude. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw Upgrade. Oh, how, I've, I've been hearing interesting things. That was really good. Okay. Um, there are some parts about it that, like, don't necessarily need to be. Okay. Um, because the the skeleton of it is really good. Mm-hmm. But I had a really good time in that I'll movie. Check that one out. Um, the asterisk on that for me is it's... Um, I think I'm getting the guy's name right, but it's Lee Wanell who. Lee, uh, yeah, either Wanell or Wano. Who created the Saw movie. Yeah. And it's like. It's super violent. He's fine at making a certain kind of movie without actually really being able to make a movie. Is my this, problem. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's a good point. This movie was pretty good. All right, um, I'll check it out. Worth seeing. I also saw Annihilation. I know that's like a little bit late to the game. I think that was that was before the, the accidental hiatus, but. But good God, that movie was awesome. Yeah, I, I think I need to give that one another day in court. I, I didn't get the most out of it, but then recently, like as recently as last night, found my mind wandering back to it. And Ooh. I'm like, maybe you okay, need to great. give this one. Also worth it is a movie on Netflix uh, out right now with um, Alexander Skarsgård and Jeffrey Wright oh. called Hold the Dark. How is that? Outstanding. All right, okay. Yeah. It's Slow on burn. Okay, it's on the list. Really unsettling huh. uh, in a great way. Mm. Yeah. 
Awesome. Worth it for me. Very cool. I'm going to add those to the list then. Dude, what we did, did we, we just did, like, do? a bajillion movies. And my, rec- my Zoom is still on. Holy shit. And I think mine is too. Um, cool. Uh, so let's talk. Let's talk about the future a little bit because we've got some grand plans going on. So after this extensive hiatus that we took. We're uh, going to do another hiatus. But this one's a planned one. For real. Uh, we have a some diversified plans in mind for the new year 2019 coming up. I think we should still try and do wild brunches for the remainder of this year. There's going to be absolutely we should do. We'll have to do our annual Black Christmas this year. Of course. Uh, coming right back here to the scene of the crime. Uh, I th- but starting in the new year, starting at some point in the new year, uh, we are going to change things up a little bit. Uh, as you may have noticed through our hiatus, I mean, part of the problem that we've experienced with this is we're covering new in-theater movies. Uh, trying to see them as quickly as possible, schedule a brunch as quickly as possible, uh, get it recorded as quickly as possible, get it to Brian as quickly as possible, get it produced as quickly as possible, and hope that we're dropping an episode within the sort of window of conversation about the movie. Uh, now, and before, Present episode excluded. I mean, I mean, before it sounds like we're complaining about the exact thing we promised to do, it's it's gotten really difficult to the point where we have to do catch-all episodes like this. And yeah. We think it's not the best use of our podcasting time or your podcast listening time. Yeah. So we're going to try and add some value to the Wild Bunch brand in 2019 by doing this. We are going to go on, we're going to hiatus our new movie episodes. I think we should still, uh, we're still going to do coffee breaks of some old classics we haven't caught up on. Yeah. And uh, I think we should still, when there's a new Marvel, when there's a new Star Wars, when there's something we feel strongly enough about Absolutely. to do, but we want to make this feel like less of uh, to do it for us and uh, less of a drag and a weight for you guys. Uh, but all, but fear not, because instead of doing podcasts less frequently, we are actually going to do them more frequently, but about sitting targets. Uh, we are, in the new year, going to be introducing two new podcasts from the, from the Wild Brunch Wild Brunch brand. I've only had three and a half years to get this right. Uh, the first is uh, The Wild Brunch presents The Silver Age, where Joe and I are going to sit down movie by movie and review the filmography of mega producer Joel Silver. That's everything from The Warriors through The Matrix Trilogy through Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which we'll be covering from a different perspective this time. Or maybe not. Who cares? It's going to be a year before we get to it. Chill out. Uh, Just relax. Yeah, we're going to... So we might be covering some territory we've been over before, but it's from a different perspective. Uh, The man basically helped invent the 1980s action movie if not it, I wouldn't say single-handedly but you know it was it was it was largely his baby he was a very strong brand uh, and has a lot of typifying hallmarks so we're gonna take a look at what makes his movies tick what is the Joel what can we identify as the Joel silveriness of it also it's just an opportunity to talk about some movies that we straight up fucking love yeah but it also means we're gonna have to like watch like Streets of Fire and The Matrix Revolution happy to yeah we'll do it for Just such a pursuit yes and then uh, the other one we're gonna do uh, in the vein of Movies by Minute podcasts such as Star Wars Minute the Indiana Jones Minute uh, a new one that's coming out in 2019 from a friend of mine the Social Network Minute which I think I'm gonna be guesting on at some point uh, and now that that's been said out loud on recording has to happen uh, we are starting a new podcast called The Wild Brunch Oceanographic Society yeah in which we are going to review ocean we're gonna walk through and analyze 
Ocean's Eleven, 2001, one scene at a time. Uh, we are going to do this over the course of probably many months. Yeah. We haven't really worked out a schedule yet. We're still ironing out the kinks. If it's a success, we will then roll into Ocean's 12, 13, 8, maybe the original as well. Though the original is, no offense, a fucking slog. Then again, there hammered. are elements of they Ocean's 12 that are fucking... Look, look there's going to be some slogs ahead. I'm going to level with you, gonna you but we're committed. Uh, we think it's going to be... If we review the original Ocean's Eleven, we have to be as drunk, drunk the as they were. The entire time. Yeah, yeah. The entire time. Do we have to, like, be on, like, the, the substance of choice? So, like, like for the 2001 one, are we, like... Is it, like, a Xanax kind of thing? Or, oh, interesting. Uh, or, well, 2001, I guess, is, like, Paxil. And yeah. then, like, 2004... Uh, well, they were all they were all like stupid rich by then, so it has to be like George Clooney's house brand of vodka. Yeah, or something. yeah, totally. Um, or Casamigos or something. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll figure. Uh, we'll probably be doing portions of this sober, but the idea is this way we can uh, set a more regular recording schedule. Yeah. The like I said, these are sitting targets, which hopefully makes them no less exciting. Having rewatched a bunch of these movies that we're discussing in the last six months or so, I feel there's a lot to discuss, a lot of admiration to share, a lot of tough love. To to share. Yeah. So it'll be fun. You're going to be hearing a lot from us uh, in 2019 to make up for uh, Not rather Radio Silent 2018. Uh, and we're going to... We haven't talked yet about scheduling guests for it. I think we want to get the rhythm first and then we'll figure it out. Yeah. But, but God knows we like having a guest. Uh, like another we, voice yeah, in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, be fun to get some, some different perspectives on yeah. things like that. Uh, so yeah. So, so... Keep a lookout. Subscribe. A comment. Uh, let us know what you like and what you don't. Um, Are you happy and that review? We're back? Yeah, review. Is, is your new national nightmare starting all over again? Please, for the love of God, just yeah, just escape let us... a little with us <laughs> here at the Wild Brunch. Well, and speaking of here at the Wild Brunch, uh, this has been a goddamn delight. Finally, Let's not ever take this long. It's too much. Again. It's too long. It's too much. Uh, so I almost forgot what you looked like. Because That's you're seven. out of mirrors? Yep. <laughs> and no. Like, and like disguise kit glasses? I haven't been wearing glasses lately, so... Ah, oh, fair enough. Uh, well, so I'm just going to say this. If this episode comes out before uh, um, November the... Um, November the 6th? Yeah. Uh, fucking vote. Get out there and fucking vote. Register to vote. And if it's out well before the 6th... Uh, wait. Vote by mail. Am I telling people to vote like on the wrong fucking day? It's Hang Tuesday. On. The first Tuesday in November. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think is the... November 6th, yeah. Yeah. Tuesday, November 6th. Get out there and vote. And if you're antsy in the meantime, I encourage you to phone bank or text bank or canvas if you don't have crippling social anxiety. And if you don't have crippling social anxiety, uh, send us an email. What's that like? Yeah, but, please, Scott. But for real, guys, uh, we have a lot of fun here talking about consumable entertainment, and that's awesome. Uh, it is not lost on us that the arc of this um, of this podcast has been occurring during some really shitty, turbulent times. And uh, if you'd like to see a restoration of sanity so we can go back in good conscience to focusing on things that don't matter very much, uh, please get out there and vote. Do what you can. We can say Beto for Texas. Beto for Texas. We can stop it, but we have to vote to do it. Yeah, that's, the, that's the point. We urge you. Uh, and I think that's about it for us today. Joe, it's been a goddamn pleasure being back. Alex, as usual, baby. Well, as usual, I have been Alex Trudet. I've been Joe Tower. Reminding you, as ever, talk with your mouth full. This has been The Wild Brunch with Alex and Joe. Recorded live in Los Angeles. Produced and edited by Brian Weiss. 
Executive producers Alex Gredet, Joe Tower, Carlo Moss, and Mark Coe. Wild Brunch theme by Magnetic Music. Intro and outro by Daryl Cliff. Hey, that's me. The Wild Brunch with Alex and Joe. A Hat Beard production brought to you by the Extra Credit Network.